Hey everybody, Tyree here with Before I Forget, and I wanted to give a very special trigger warning for this particular episode because it has to do with domestic violence. If you or someone you know is being harmed by someone close to them and they can't tell, you need to figure out a way to help them. You have to. It'll save a life. The names in this particular show are going to be changed because of the sensitive topic and nature, but the situation is true. Thank you, and enjoy the episode of Before I Forget. Hey everybody, Tyree is here to talk to you guys on our show before I forget some good music today for y'all, Mad Villainy, this is Curls, it's a good song, this is just the instrumentals, I think it will work more appropriately with the show. But enough about all that. I'm going to give you guys a quick update on the show. Uh, There's not much to update, really. The the season's basically finished. We have a few more episodes. I believe Kevin has a solo show. Uh, We switched. Um, I was supposed to have one next week. I took his spot, and he's going to take mine next week. Uh, But along with that, we're going to have our In Memoriam show and our recap. I think we're going to do the recap first and then the uh, memoriam in the last. Uh, thank you guys for keeping up with us with this uh, season. It's been fun. And we can't wait to start with season two, which will be in a few months. To give us some time off to figure out what we're going to do exactly so we can come at it better. Anyway, so today's solo show, I'm going to talk about a domestic violence incident. Uh, I was looking around on my Facebook, and some time ago I had shared some memories of mine from when I was working domestic violence uh, for LAPD. Now, I'll explain this. When I say working domestic violence for LAPD, I was assigned to this program called DART and it's the domestic assault or D-A-R-T whatever domestic assault response team okay so that was me for my division of West LA um, the way it's supposed to work is victim calls the police police show up police make sure scenes clear There's no issues. I show up after that with an advocate from a shelter. And they are going to help me out if this victim needs some place to go live. We're going to figure out that. Uh, You know, get them out of the house. We we can hide them. There's all kind of cool stuff these advocates can do. Um, So then I go in. I speak to the victim, I get the story, 
I collect evidence and all that kind of, well, I don't collect evidence. I let the people on patrol collect evidence. And I go back and write the report. Uh, if there's a suspect there, I say, yep, he, he's going to go to jail. He's going to go with me. And, uh, you know, I'll handle it from here. The advocate would speak to the victim in a room. I can't hear anything they're saying because it's of confidentiality. So I can't even tell you what they talk about. Sucks. Anyway, after they get done talking, we go back to the station. I write the report. And then, you know, on to the next call. That's typically how DART's supposed to work. And that's how we try to run it. Um, I think I should have probably had a partner, like an armed partner, um, instead of uh, just me going on these calls alone. It was probably a bad idea. Anyway, so I'm going to tell two different stories. One's kind of funny, and one is not so funny. So we'll tell the not so funny one first, so you can stick around for the funny one. On this particular day, it was a really nice day. Um, I was working dark by myself. Uh, I had an advocate. She was running late. No big deal. I went to go get me a sandwich from Subway. Ate that, and I was relaxing at the station, waiting on a call, waiting for the advocate to show up. And then, for whatever reason, like simultaneously, both happened. So I got a call right when the advocate walked in. So she threw her bag down, picked up her folders and files and all of her crap that she needed for her stuff. And we went to go hop in my car that they gave me. And it was a uh, silver crown Vic. That was a real piece of shit. Uh, it slightly worked. Didn't have um, no light bar on top. It just had the red light in the middle. You know, one of those kind of cars. I loved it, but it was just a piece of shit. Anyway, uh, we're going on this call. And we go to a part of the city in West L.A. that I haven't really been to much. Um, I don't know why. Well, the 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 reason why these people are extremely rich in this area are famous. They don't necessarily want police in their area because then paparazzi is going to show up and it's all bad. So we really have to stay on our p's and q's when it comes down to confidentiality of these kind of calls. Super low profile, all that kind of shit. Anyway, that doesn't stop us from doing our job effectively. I mean, low profile and all that shit gets thrown out the window if there's violence occurring. We have to react. Anyway, we're going on this call, and it's later in the evening. Um, this really nice house in this really nice neighborhood. Really nice. <laughs> I want to keep repeating really nice, but something you would see in a movie. Wow, people actually live like this in West L.A. And that says a lot because there's billionaires that live in West L.A. But, you know, these weren't enormous houses. They were just very nice columns in front, white picket fence, winding 
uh, walkway to the house, sunflowers and weird plants everywhere, and looks like something out of Hogwarts. And we stop the car. There's a bunch of cop cars outside. I show up. I start telling people to leave. Um, there's a officer talking to a woman in the corner. I can see that from the front door. I go into the house. There's a stairway to the left. Go straight up. I think there are kids upstairs. I never go upstairs. Um, around the stairway to the left, there's a kitchen with a big center island. Very nice kitchen. So I move everyone over to talk in that area, but she's extremely hesitant to talk in this area. I didn't really look at her face, so I was just kind of pointing and saying, hey, go there, please. Eventually, I looked at her, and I don't think the officer who was taking her information down realized who she was because he asked, what was your occupation? And immediately I screamed, she's an actress. It was really funny. Everyone kind of looked at me and I kind of like looked down like. Side note, I was a fan of this lady. Like the movie she were she was in, they're huge. They're still going, by the way. I cannot say who this lady is. But she was a huge actress at that time. Anyway. They continue with their information. I asked them to step out. And now I'm going to talk to the victim. I'm trying not to be starstruck and weird. This is a terrible, terrible domestic violence situation. But here I am in front of a lady I probably thought about in my intimate moments years ago uh, as a teenager. Anyway, she's standing there. She's about, I don't know, five five maybe five six and she looks like she's been crying a lot she's wearing shorts that don't exactly match the top kind of like thrown on and then there's pants on the ground where she's standing or near where she's standing so i say hey uh i'm officer brown um please explain to me a little bit uh please explain to me what happened here Okay, she explains that her husband is an alcoholic, always drinking, always, she he's never not drunk. Uh, I guess he works in the finance industry and he has a bunch of asshole friends and they're always going out to drink and they're like the frat type, yuppie 80s people. Um, that made a bunch of money and now they're kind of coasting off of whatever. So he's one of those kind of guys and he got lucky and he married this lady. Like, come on, give me a break. This asshole marries this lady. Have these beautiful kids. (sighs) Anyway, she explains that he's an alcoholic and he came home pissed drunk. And while they're in the kitchen, 
he comes into the house, drunk, slurring, breaking things, kicking stuff around. She confronts him. Why, you know, why did you go out drinking? Did you drive? You're going to get hurt. You're going to kill somebody. That kind of thing. He said, fuck you, bitch, and pushed her. She walked away from him and went to go pick up her baby. For whatever reason, these stories always have babies. Anyway, she's holding her baby in her arms and she's saying, hey, you're going to miss out on all this if you keep being a drunk. This fucking guy goes up to her, smacks her while holding the baby, starts to strangle her while holding the baby to the point that she almost passes out. But she drops the baby. This guy, she regained consciousness, got the baby back. But this guy started to pee on her leg. And then he left. So she's showing me the marks on her neck. Yep, there's there's marks there. I can charge this person. I got all the story. I explained, or that explained why there's different pants on the ground. That wasn't water, that was piss. It was his. And he had left maybe 20 minutes before I got there. So maybe five minutes before the other officers got there. So, now I'm kind of more angry about this case than normal. Uh, domestic violence is bad, but when you are so blinded by whatever that you will injure your own child in the process, you're fucked up in the head. And I'm going to try to get all the current penalties that I can put on you. You know, everything. Every charge I can think of. I'll, yeah, it's just to see if it'll stick. Anyway, I go back to the station. I try to write the report. I finish the report and I figure out where he works. And I hang out by the outside of his office, just waiting, just waiting for him to pop up. I figured he'd be drunk and he would just go in there and go to sleep. Where else would he go? And I did not see him. The next morning, I go uh, go to work. And again, like deja vu, I'm waiting on the advocate. And as soon as they arrive, we get a call. Bam. We handle that call. Not a big deal. And then the advocate says, hey, we should go back to the actress's house. So I can give her more information about advocacy, what I can do to help her out. You know, I don't think she's going to want to go to a shelter from this nice house. I mean, she can probably afford to go someplace else on her own easily. But, you know, she wanted to give her, you know, information that she can help, uh, help herself or help others if she needed to. So we head back over to the house. And I get to the front door, knock, knock. 
it kind of creaks open. It's not locked. But I kind of push the door open. I'm like, oh, shit. Now I have a problem. I call for a backup, and I can see straight through the house to the backyard that the guy, the suspect, and the victim are standing face to face near a pool. In my head, exigent circumstances, I'm going to run through this house, I'm going to grab him, and that'll be the end of it. And that's what I did. Didn't wait on backup. I kind of fucked up with that. I probably should have waited. But I did what I did. Hooked him up, took him back to the station. I started interviewing him. He's like, I saw you at the at my office last night. I'm like, no shit. He says, yeah, I, as soon as whatever happened, as soon as my wife and I had our disagreement, I left and went there to go to sleep. So I knew that's where that motherfucker would go. <clears throat> so, you know, we take him, we book him, we charge him with all kind of stuff. And within a few hours, he bails out. And we try to reach out to the victim, and she refuses to press charges. <laughs> That's the the issue with people that are victims of domestic violence. They stay silent, and they don't ask for help. And it gets worse and worse and worse to the point that we are not doing a domestic violence investigation. We're doing a death investigation. That's the last thing anybody wants. We don't want to figure out why we got to put these children in orphanages to figure out, you know, what to do with your family after you destroyed it because you couldn't handle it and you had to hit people. I'm talking to you, man and woman. Keep your fucking hands to yourself unless you're defending yourself. Nobody should have to deal with that in your in their own house. So that's the first story. So the second one is kind of funny. For this particular call, it's in the Pacific Palisades of West LA. Me and the advocate and my Silver Crown Vic drive to this call. Our first time going there. It's a condo kind of a place, condominiums, multi-floor like subterranean, really weird. Uh, it looks like a one-floor house on the outside, but it's really three or four floors down. So it's really cool, but, you know, crazy. So we get to this house, and uh, I knock on the door, and this enormous, enormous man comes to the door. Uh, he's a Sikh. He's maybe six eight, six nine. Couldn't have been any less than two hundred eighty pounds, two hundred ninety pounds. Solid muscle. And I'm like, oh fuck, here we go. 
Like, uh, these domestic calls, they're the most violent, and this is the suspect, I'm assuming. I go in, attempt to handcuff him, needs two pairs of cuffs, and we're all good. No issues from him. I pull him to the side, away from everyone else in the house, because there's a woman and a couple kids way at the bottom playing. The house looks like shit. Everything's thrown around in shambles, broken shit, glass, everywhere. Looks crazy. Here's this big, enormous dude, and he starts crying. And I'm like, what's going on? Why why are you crying? And he's like, she did it again. I'm like, okay, what did she do? And And he says, she tore up the house, and she hit me. So, without thinking, I showed up to this people's house, figured out that the biggest person was a suspect, and put that person in cuffs when I was completely wrong. I had the victim in handcuffs. Took him off. I'm sorry, man. He's like, no, I understand. No, I'm like, no, really. I really fucked that up. I really apologize. So we sit and talk. I'm not so worried about this guy because he seems really like gentle. He seems like a fucking, like Bambi. I don't know how to explain it. This guy's enormous. Oh, fuck. Uh, He's uh, just a huge person that is like nice and like he wouldn't hurt a fly. Like the Iron Giant. There you go. And uh, he explains she gets crazy. And she starts hitting me. And if I hit her, you know, she'll probably die. And I'm like, you're probably right. You should not hit her. But what is going on here that, you know, things aren't going the way they should be going? He explains, like, he's a doctor. He's been out of work for a bit. She's been taking care of the house and she gets more annoyed with him and she has been terrorizing him in the house. He can't leave. He refuses to leave because of like family stuff, family values, never leave your wife. So he's trapped in this relationship, he says. Uh, I look, I look for marks on him. There's no marks. I go down. All the way down to the bottom and talk to her, hook her up, put her in handcuffs. Which was odd because she's standing there with her kids and she's barely taller than the kids. And the kids are maybe, they're tiny. She's she's maybe five foot even at, at the most. A little skinny chick. And uh, she's like, what are you doing in my house? And I'm like, I'm the fucking police. You know, what are you doing beating up on people? She's like, he called again? I'm like, called again? Come to find out, other officers have been dealing with this family, this particular family, for years. They don't get along. They're always arguing. One person's calling the cops on the other one. There's never any violence. The man always kind of creates a story to make us believe that she should go, but he refuses to press charges, so we're always doing this fucking round and round circle hmm I'm like uh, I told my my advocate hey go talk to the victim and uh, I'll, I'll do the suspect stuff 
And she's like, is it safe? And I'm like, yes, it's safe. Because, you know, look at him. I'm like, yeah, he's uh, he's a big boy, but he wouldn't hurt a fly. You can go talk to him. I think she convinced him to take some kind of classes or something like that. You know, victim empowerment. Um, that didn't work because over the next two years of me working dark, I went to that house seven or eight more times for the same thing. If you are in a relationship that ain't great, man, I'm the last person to give you fucking love advice, but get out of that shit for your own mental health and your own safety. Get out of there. Don't let anybody hit on you. And I'm saying that like it's easy for me to say. I'm a man. Well, it doesn't matter. Don't let yourself. Hmm. Don't. I can't say that. If you are a victim of domestic violence, don't stay. You need to leave. Have a plan. Have a backup plan. Have a place to go if things go sideways with this person that you think you are in love with. Because for whatever reason, love will make people do some really, really dumb shit. <sighs> So, that's it for today's episode. Uh, real recap. Don't touch people. Keep your hands to yourself. Don't pee on celebrities. Don't be a yuppie asshole. Um, if you do beat on your significant other, don't be surprised with the treatment you get from cops. Um, and have a good day, I think. Oh, um, please like, listen, share, and subscribe, and all that cool guy stuff. And we will see you guys later. Thank you for listening to Before I Forget. Have a good day. Keep your hands to yourself. Have a good day.